Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here today. And some podcasters say they have a great episode today, and then they go on to tell you five ways to boil water. That's helpful. (laughs) Mm. But we do think we've got a great episode today, and that is gathering intelligence in today's chaotic world and when society goes off of its rails. Now, we're talking particularly about local information. We want to know how to find out what's going on in our neighborhood today. And we'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Now, we're in that Thanksgiving's past and Christmas season is upon us. And we've spent our weekend doing a lot of things involving getting decorated for Christmas. Well, we weren't getting decorated, but the house maybe. Well, okay. <laughs> But don't, where's, where's that button? Where's that but up tish? Okay, there, <laughs> there it is. Now, we've got, we've been doing some decorating and we we've have. done some prepping stuff in our mm-hmm. personal situation to improve our prepping circumstances. And, and we're just glad that you stopped by today and took your time to be with us. And we certainly want to wish you a Merry Christmas as we are in this season. And anything else you want to add on that before we get into our episode? Well, yes. I mean, just everybody get perspective. I mean, I know that this is, you know, Christmas comes the same every year, but we always get that anxious, hurried, rushed, got to get this done, got to get that done. And we just, you know, we want to just remind ourselves in the midst of all of our hurry and flurry that we just need to take time to relax, to think about why we celebrate Christmas, what it's really all about, the real meaning, and ways that don't involve the expenditure of a lot of money or to try to make travel plans that can, you know, just really be a lot on some people. Uh, The cost of traveling is higher and the issues of traveling is more complicated. But just remember that we have a God who loves us and he loves us so much that he knew that we could not come to him. So he came to us. And so Emmanuel, which means God with us, his son came and when you really get right down to it, the fact that we can celebrate Christmas, if we never gave another gift or traveled another mile, we know that we have the greatest love that has ever been shown, has been shown from God. And I totally agree with you there. And too many have lost sight of the real reason for Christmas. And it's gotten into too much commercialization. And thankfully, our families have gotten back to enjoying being together more so than enjoying the gift idea. It's less commercialized now. I think that happened the older we get. I mean, we still have a bunch of, you know, we've got grandchildren and now a great grandchild. Yes, and we haven't, uh, we told you that one was on the way. Yeah. Well, SJ, Stephen James, was born this past week, and he entered this world at six pounds and eight ounces, and he is doing great. His mama's doing great, and they're both at home now. And we won't get to see him until after Christmas because even though they're not that far away, we just we had one grandson who wound up 
hospitalized with some respiratory issues, and we want him to be by himself with his mom and dad for a while until those little lungs are good and healthy, and he has built up some resistance, and then we will certainly get our time with playing with him uh-huh. as well. Yeah. And yes, we do give gifts to the kids. Now, we'll give gifts to adults, but it's not about... It's just the fun of being together. It's the fun of being together, and sometimes we play that Dirty Santa game. and Yeah, that's fun. That yeah. really is fun. And, and one year we did that with the dollar store. Your gift had to come from the dollar store. It's great. Yeah. And you could spend no more than $5 at the dollar store. And it was interesting to see what some of the folks came up with to give to each other. And actually, the situations kind of fit. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was so really it was a, a fun time. It was a lot of fun, not only on the day that we were together. But also, when we were in the store trying to figure out, now, what would fit that one's personality or this one's personality. <laughs> All right, let's get to the episode today. We're talking about gathering intelligence in today's chaotic world and when society goes off the rail. You know, really, intelligence gathering involves a lot of listening and observing You know, a great example of that is a radio, maybe like a ham radio. Uh, The best use of a radio in a grid-down cataclysmic situation, believe it or not, the best use is for listening, not so much in talking and sharing. Right. Not only in a grid-down type situation, but even today, you know, we need to be keeping up with what's going on. And so listening and observing what's going on gives us an idea of what can happen. And if we're interpreting these things correctly, it gives us a look down the road of the things that might be happening. Also, some things to put in here today about protecting yourself when it comes to intelligence. Right, because we're talking about gathering, acquiring, getting intelligence. If you find that you're doing a lot of talking and sharing, you're giving intelligence. You're not necessarily receiving it. So this is where we want to caution you that intelligence gathering is a lot more about the mouth shut and the ears open. Right, and you see violations, and I put that in air quotes, of that on Facebook. And really, the best use of Facebook is reading, not posting. You know, I do that more, actually. I do mm-hmm. a lot of reading and scrolling, but I do not do a lot of commenting like I did before. And and commenting is one thing, but, you know, it's really easy to know whose house is unattended. You mm-hmm. go to Facebook, and you'll see folks that will say, you know, one week till Disney. Well, now I need to make my plans. And then when I see that first Disney photo posted, I know, now I'm putting myself in the place of a burglar here, I know that I can go and burglarize that house and not expect to find anybody there because they're gone to Disney. This isn't something we invented, but we have followed this rule for many, many years, and that is no posting of vacation photos until after the trip is over and you have returned home mm-hmm. for that very simple reason. And I know that it's hard for a lot of folks to abide by that rule. They're so excited about their trip. They'll even start posting them, you know, sitting in the airplane. You know, we're in the airplane. We're on the way to Puerto Rico or, you know, here we are on the train. We're going to California or whatever. And so they're they're giving a time 
timeline, not only of that they're gone, but when they're gone and how long they expect to be gone. And and I can't tell you the number of times people have returned home from their fabulous vacation only to find their houses empty and their garage doors are open. And they've been, they basically advertised, we're gone. So every time we're talking, we're giving out information. So yes, and when that's- I say talking, I'm not necessarily talking about just verbally but when we're putting information out on facebook we're giving out more information now there's times to give information oh sure there's times particularly like with ham radio or cb radio we're talking about weather conditions we're talking about road conditions or if we're requesting emergency assistance yeah that's different that's a yeah that's that's a totally different So don't don't think that we're saying never talk on the radio or that we're saying never post on Facebook. But there are times to shut up and listen. Things like when you're planning a trip. Power outages might be one of the times that we need to not be posting those because maybe we want to get all of our friends to sympathize with us that our power is out But we've told other people that our community's power is out and that the burglar alarms may not work. See, that's a very important point. Even I had not extrapolated out that far that, you know, posting that, I don't know, I'm just going to make this up. Let's say that somebody lives in the Windsor Heights neighborhood and they post on Facebook tonight, Windsor Heights neighborhood, you know, 10 blocks, no power anywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, the the chances of a burglary are small, but just like what Mark said, now we know that uh, alarms aren't going to work and lights aren't going to work, and there may be people that leave their home because they can't have power, so they're going to go off somewhere else and, and leave their home, and so Windsor Heights is... And folks are is, saying, well, the burglar alarm has a battery backup. Well, some do. Mm-hmm. Some of you haven't changed that battery <laughs> in that thing for a long time. You're going to find out. But more importantly, the street lights are out. The uh-huh. floodlights are out. So now I can sneak up and pull the door handle on your car and see if you've left it unlocked. And if you have, then I've got a minute or so to be able to go through your glove box and your console to pick out some nice goodies to be able to give to my friends and buddies for Christmas. It happens. That kind of thing happened to us before. So it really does. We're speaking from experience as far as that door handle thing. And I've answered many calls on burglaries of automobiles that they left the vehicle open they left the gun in the console and the gun's now gone i mean we wish that we could live in a world where we could leave our doors unlocked but we have locks on our doors for reasons and we do want to remind you that it's not enough to just lock your house doors you do need to have your car doors locked even if they're sitting in your driveway i would say lock your doors if it's sitting inside your garage i would just say why not be careful give less opportunity for a bad person to get into your stuff mm-hmm. a lot of people do park out on the driveway or on the street and they may think well i'm in front of my house i don't need to Listen, I had a car stolen out of my driveway. Why? Because my door, not only did I leave my car unlocked, I left the keys in the ignition. I just didn't even think, you know, I just didn't even think that I had lived in that house 10 years, never had a crime in my property. And then one night, 
Mm-hmm. We had a car stolen. We got the car back. But I'm just here to tell you that locking your car, that's a very good thing. I know we've kind of jumped off of our topic, but it's just something to think about as far as personal protection. It is, and it's good information, and information is power. It is. When we're looking at, in the context of this episode, gathering intelligence or gathering information, you know, we need to know what's happening now especially the who, what, and where of what's going on. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready to go out and do some Christmas shopping. Well, is there by chance a protest going on at the mall where we were planning to go? We need to be gathering that kind of information. That kind of information is power because now we have the power to decide, well, they're protesting north of us. Let's go down south and do some shopping down there. Right. Or let's just stay home and go on a Tuesday night. That information is power, and we need to know what's happening now. What's happened up until now? What's the history of these events that are going on? And what can happen from these situations? This is where we have to really analyze the things that could happen in the situations that we're talking about. And then you just have to make your best guess is what will happen and have contingency plans. That's what good preppers do. And this is where your plans need backup plans and your (laughs) backup plans need backup plans to their backup plans. So you're talking about a plan A, a plan B, plan C, and at least a plan D. Have several options of plans there. That's good thinking because that's how a prepper would think. You know, good information helps, too, you know, in seeing trends where you can correlate and compare the information that you're gathering. You can then begin to develop patterns of thought and patterns of behavior in response to the information that you've gathered and recognize impossible coming events even before they happen. And here are some examples of that. Fuel shortages. You know, the shutting down of the American pipelines took us from energy independence Back down to energy dependence. And what might that tell us? Well, that's going to tell us that the gasoline that's available may be in shorter supply. Which causes the prices to go up. Yes. In fact, I'll tell you, even in our neighborhood, we live literally, I'm going to say two, two, maybe three blocks away from the closest gas station. And two times, already two times this fall, I have stopped at that gas station and it's a major name. It's not some Mm -hmm. local, what I'd call Bobo gas station. Yeah, this this is one of the big three or four. And they haven't had a drop of gas to sell. Mm -hmm. They literally had all of their pumps covered over. And I walked inside and I said, "Uh, what up? And he said, no gas. We are dry, drop dry. We don't have, a truck is coming sometime. And I was like, wow, what a terrible experience. And I began to think, well, I certainly hope it's not like that all over town. Yeah, now this actually, the, the first time that that happened with you, and you were just fueling up your work van, and that was during the normal course yeah, just of, a regular of day. events. Mm-hmm. And that was on the heels of the Colonial Pipeline hacking right. that shut down the Colonial Pipeline. That's a very large artery all through the southeast here right. in America. So we saw the shutting down of the Keystone Pipeline. Then we saw the shutting down of the Colonial Pipeline by hackers And we also see this in hurricanes when hurricanes come into the Gulf Mm -hmm. 
and it shuts down some of the oil rigs because in cert- at a certain point they have to evacuate those. They can no longer be doing what they've been doing, and they've got to get them to safety, and so that decreases the supply. And so you're talking about trends a while ago. You're looking at those, so we're looking ahead at what that may do with our gas prices. And that's going to have an effect on how, you know, you and I have talked about this. It's going to affect our own needs Mm -hmm. in terms of how much fuel we're storing now, what we need to do about our prepped fuel storage. Do we need to consider even larger quantity and containment beyond, say, a one-gallon or a five-gallon container? Maybe we need to look at larger containment. Oh, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we did add two more five-gallon gas cans today when we were at the store. We picked up two of those. And it part of that is that we want to make sure that we have enough gasoline to travel to North Carolina from North Alabama if we had to, and there are gas shortages along the way. If there's a family emergency of some type and we need to get there, the little fella could call and say, Papa, would you come this weekend? And then I need to get there. <laughs> Now, we're talking family emergency type things here and people struggling to find gasoline on the road. We want to carry enough with us. Now, we'll have to protect it, but we need to carry enough with us to be able to get to our furthest destination. Uh-huh. So that that was our purpose in adding two more cans today. But we can see those in hurricanes when the oil rigs shut down pipelines, but it is being aware of that information and then extrapolating the analysis from that information of the things that could happen. And here's another area, not only fuel shortages, but food shortages, Mm -hmm. because the whole supply chain has been affected. It's a domino effect, starting all the way back to the farmer and then all through the production, manufacturing, distribution, and grocery store we're starting to see some of those empty shelves. And go back before we ever heard supply chain dealing with the incoming ships. Yeah, we never we never talked before about that. Before that, yeah. I was telling you and the girls that we needed to stock up on certain things because I was seeing some droughts in some certain areas. Yes, especially in the areas that produce a lot of commercial yes, production. food production. We're talking, you know, one-third or maybe more, maybe up to one-half of the nation's food, depending on these commercial right. operations. And, and the particular areas, now one of them was droughts in the Midwest, and that did affect the corn supply for that year. Uh-huh. And so we we looked at that, and we just kind of bumped up our corn storage just a little bit. Exactly. And so it's, and you could only see that. And we did the same thing with coffee when we found out about the droughts in Peru and we're going to tell you how to find some of this information in, in, in a little bit. But I found out that the coffee production was down in Peru in particular. And though we never really saw shortages, we did see a slight rise in prices from that. Well, another thing, too, is that Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, some of these social media sites 
they're showing video and photographic evidence of some of the effect of supply chain disruption, and that is unfulfilled orders. Cars, for example, can't get the computer chip. So now they're not shipping cars, and then furniture stores and food from around the world. Anything that can be put into a store to sell, we're finding holes and gaps. And we began to see some of these in Facebook postings on different prepping group sites from around the world. Mm -hmm. And some folks were saying, I'm seeing, you know, a lack of this or a lack of that. And we saw sparse shelves even before it was being reported in the media. So it's paying attention. It's observing. It's looking at what's going on around and gathering information from other people. So it's important. Now, we also saw it with inflation. Yes, inflation just jumped right up and bit. You know, we were rocking along there pretty well. And then this year, inflation is just, it's pervasive and it's everywhere. And the media has been talking about it. And we're seeing, I'm seeing it at the store. I came home from the grocery store the other day and I complained to you about the price of just simple bacon. Mm -hmm. I said, I cannot believe that I cannot find three dollar and fifty cent bacon anymore. We're talking five, six, eight, ten, and twelve dollar bacon that just last year was three dollars a package. And we're not talking about sale price. We're talking regular price. Yeah, and we saw some of this coming. Now one, listening to some economists and recognizing that dumping trillions of dollars in stimulus money into the economy is going to cause inflation. It has to. It, it, it has to. Now you've got more people competing with more dollars for less product, the price will rise. That's just a complete economic rule. I understood it, but when it hit bacon, that's where I draw my line. Yeah. <laughs> well, we kind of joke and chuckle, but it's really quite serious because that's just a very small example, but it certainly bodes toward the larger things. Yeah, and, and reading some reports and some other thing talking about, uh, well, with the inflation rate, and they back out food and energy cost out of those. Now, when you add energy cost, some places are looking at 50% increase in their energy cost this winter. Yes, I heard we read an article about the heating cost going up in a stupidly high percentage mm-hmm. rate. So when you start raising food costs and you start raising energy cost, some folks are now in a situation where they have to choose between do I stay warm or do I eat? Yeah, and you know, it's like no one should ever have to choose between mm-hmm. those two things. Mm-hmm. We were reading an article the other day about the sale of alternative heating appliances and wood-burning stoves and kerosene heaters. I shared with you last night the wood-burning stove, and this particular company said that if you, you can buy the stove now, but do not expect delivery until April. Well, that's after winter. Yes. So what are these people supposed to do from now until April? Well, this is... Burn their furniture? Well, <laughs> some people burn will, it. So, well, some people, will, burn it. some people will do but, that. But he was, this, this particular spokesperson was talking about with his company, if you order it now, you're looking at an April delivery. It must be an import then, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm really not Probably sure not. Well, that. here's the thing. Even for companies that 
what they call manufacture in America. Mm -hmm. Don't be fooled by that 100%. Now, there are some companies who from the very start to the very finish, everything is sourced in America. But a lot of companies source their raw materials from China and then manufacture in Mm -hmm. America. But here's the problem with that. You still got to ship it. You still have to get the raw materials. So these made in America companies, they're holding empty hands because they've got nothing to make with. Mm -hmm. So be aware, too, that when you get upset with companies, well, you're supposed to be made in America, made in America. Well, manufactured in America is not a lie. But depending on what it is you want to order, you've got to see if the manufacturing process includes all the raw materials in America. That can make a big difference on whether or not they can deliver. Yeah, and a lot of times they are bringing in pre-made parts and assembling it. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying is that, yes, there's an assembling in America, a manufacturing in America, but it may not be 100%. Well, we saw saw more tariffs put on Chinese steel. Mm -hmm. It's a lower-priced steel coming in, and they were buying the raw steel, and they were manufacturing it. And true, it's made in America, but it's not Pittsburgh steel. Exactly. When you looked at the two-week you know, this has been the longest two weeks in history, this two-week shutdown to... Uh, the two-week flatten the curve. That's what I'm talking about. Right. We're, we're in the longest two weeks uh-huh. in the world history. Yeah. It's gone on, what, 20 months now. But <sighs> when you had the labor shutdowns, that further limited the supply. Oh, certainly. And here's really what I'm saying is taking these kinds of information and looking forward Looking forward, Uh how is this going to affect us as a family a week, a month, three months down the road? What are we going to need to be doing? And there are several avenues of information flow, and we're going to share those with you. But, Chris, tell us who our sponsors are today. Today we are sponsored by Jim Curtis Knives. We've spoken about Jim a number of times. I actually gifted Mark a Jim Curtis handcrafted fixed blade knife last year for Christmas. It was probably the sweetest expression I ever saw on a man's face when he opened up and saw the big surprise of his life was a Jim Curtis knife. Another sponsor is the book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People, written by Mark and Krista Lolly. By the way, that's him and that's me. This book is available on Amazon. Again, the title is Practical Prepping for Everyday People. And we wrote this book to help you become prepared for whatever emergencies may come. As I told someone the other day, it's everything from a dead battery to being snowed in or locked down for two weeks. Let's talk about some online intel gathering. And media is made up of newspapers. Believe it or not, they still do publish and produce newspapers, magazines, radio, television, streaming services, alternative news sites, even foreign news sites. We often like to watch the BBC America. We like to see the BBC and we like to see some foreign intelligence that comes through on television as well. Now, your media is a great source for your local information. I'm not saying, you know, I don't trust the media to a great degree, especially when you get into the mainstream media But the local media will tell you if there's a riot going on. They may call it a peaceful protest, but they'll tell you what's going on in your local area. 
They'll tell you, and we like to listen each morning to get the traffic report to know if a particular route that we might normally take, if there's a wreck and it's blocking that route, we may need to take a different route. So you need to be looking for that local information. And one place that I have found that I use now to gather information about what's going on in our local community is next door. Now, right now, what I'm seeing is a lot of lost dogs, found dogs. Hopefully those two will get together. I'm seeing where people complaining about people cutting grass after dark, things like that. So, And, and that's fine. I've yet to comment on that. I didn't get on it for commenting. I got on it to find out what's going on in my local neighborhood. So what you're describing is it's called the Nextdoor app. It's, it's a ne- an it's app. It's Nextdoor app. Okay. And what it will tell me is, and, and I've seen this over time, if there's a burglary somewhere, somebody goes in there and says, hey, this is happening in this area. Mm. Or somebody's going door to door, you know, selling whatever and it's a bunch of nosy neighbors reporting (laughs) it on social media and it's a great tool for figuring out what's going on that's an interesting way to gather intelligence so if we start seeing burglaries occurring blocks away and then that tells us that we may need to take a little bit more precaution than we do take right now It's a great way to gather information. You can do the same thing with social media groups. You can gather different kinds of information in social media groups. And this may or may not be local information. And it may not be intelligence gathering that would be useful for some type of an SHTF situation. But I'll use this example. I read, I've yet to post, but I read in several social media podcasting groups. And I've actually learned new information in those groups. And they're groups that discuss any topic you want to discuss. And you can get in there and learn more from whatever. Now, when we're talking about the media, we need to be comparing national news coverages. You were talking about the BBC America. Mm -hmm. I check BBC. I check the foreign BBC. I also check conservative sources. I check middle-of-the-road sources, and they're getting harder to find. And I check right-leaning sources as well, or even far-right. There are some areas that I check that are far-right and some that are far-left. And I take a look at the different things, and I begin to compare those All media is biased. It is, truly. Every person is biased. We have our own biases, and we need to look at all sides of issues. The truth lies somewhere in between, probably, and we need to be able to have the discernment to figure out what is the truth. Now, We've talked about local sources, but, you know, there's some other things that we don't have the network to be able to keep up with some of the national. Or even the international. Or international. Mm -hmm. And that's where paid resources like Forward Observer, 
those are good ways to keep up with guts with what's going on around the world. And particularly with Forward Observer, it's a quick way to keep up with the global intelligence. And here recently, they've been talking a lot about the things that are going on between China and Taiwan. And so it's kind of taking a lot of sources and putting it together. This is what I see right now is that there's a good possibility that China could invade Taiwan But we could also see Russia making a move in the early spring. Yeah, there's a lot of information on the Russian and Ukrainian situation. Now, this just is not anything that we can do anything about, you and me do anything about. But if Russia and Ukraine actually go into a shooting war, where does that put us in supporting Ukraine when we have publicly said that we will support them. Now, it may only be with sanctions. Who knows? Now, go back to the China and Taiwan. Haven't we said that we would support Taiwan? We have said we would support Taiwan. But what does that do to further exacerbate the supply chain issues? And how will that affect the American citizen? Is our military going to get involved? Are we talking about a new war? And if it goes to a hot war and it escalates, you could even see some Navy of the world sinking merchant ships to be able to disrupt supply. It's it's a disturbing thought, but that's where we have to just brace ourselves and and receive information so that we can figure out how we think about this. Exactly, And, and we're not talking about being afraid here. I mean, God's still in control and will be in control. And he he does not give us a spirit of fear. No, no. But at times he tells us to get prepared. Yes, he wants us to depend on him for guidance, but he also wants us to get up and take some action that, exactly. that is the you right know, thing to do. Uh, it didn't rain for a hundred years after God told Noah to build a boat, but Noah spent a hundred years building a boat because he believed what God said. Mm-hmm. Now, Lord tells us to be watching the signs, and we're seeing signs of wars, rumors of wars. We're seeing more natural disasters. We're seeing earthquakes. We're seeing all kinds of things going on in the... We're seeing a, we're seeing extreme changes in our society mm-hmm. as well. And so a lot of these signs simply are saying, get ready And we need to be paying attention to those when it says, get ready. But also, we know that our life on this earth is a finite time. We all are born and we die. That's just reality. And so knowing that we're eventually going to die, we need to make preparations for that. Uh Because as Zig Ziglar said, we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're going to be alive. And we need to be making preparations for that ahead of time. Well, we'll be alive, but well, living elsewhere. Right. <clears throat> right. You know where I was going. I know from. where you're going. All right. Back to comparing it. We need to look at all sides of those issues. We need to get uh, – it's not that we need to spend a lot of time every day checking on the world situation, 
but we need to have some idea of what's going on in the world. Now, you can do that once a week for five minutes. Uh, You can do it every day if you want to. It's just totally up to you. But we need to have some idea of what's going on in the world around us and how we can be affected as preppers. And I mentioned Forward Observer, and I will put their link in the show notes as well. And it is a paid service, and you get an email every single day, and you get all kinds of good information with that if you'd like to go look at Forward Observer. Now, there's some free ones. There's The Guardian. Now, some of these that I'm going to tell you are not all from a conservative. I've not seen really a bent one way or the other with Forward Observer. Now, The Guardian is rather liberal, but I need to know what liberal point of view is. I think that's balanced. I need to know what the conservative point of view is. And so there's The Guardian. You can sign up for a free daily briefing on that. There's one called Stillness in the Storm. And it's not as much a briefing as it is a synopsis of different articles from around the world. And good reading there. Now, one that I use, and uh, this is uh, MMS text alerts, messages that are text to my phone. Uh One that I use is Alerts USA. And they have given me information on all of these shootings that we have experienced, in a couple of them in schools, shopping centers, and things like that recently that I have gotten word from them long before I've seen it in any of the news. Well, another example, too, is that sad situation there in uh, Waukesha mm-hmm. with the parade. Right. Uh, you got information about that before the local media even had... Or even the national media had anything put up. Yeah. And so we were with the family in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I told everybody this is what's happened. So a couple of us started looking for more information on it, and it was not yet on national media or the local media. So and so what's the name of that again? That one is Alerts USA. Okay. Now there's another one called Alert 5. Now this is a free app, and this one really just gives you space weather. It gives you some stock market reports. It gives you outbreaks of certain pandemics or epidemics and i can remember and i've been using this one quite a few years and i can remember when it would come out and say there's been an outbreak of ebola in such and such country yeah remember ebola Mm -hmm. (laughs) very well Mm -hmm. and so it will give you outbreaks it'll give you any nuclear incidents this could be any kind of a problem at the a nuclear site It could be stolen nuclear material from a hospital. Even that gets in there. And near-Earth objects, and that's kind of what's running around out there that we might see, Or, but I'm not too worried about anything running into the world. Okay, on Alert 5, is that a global information gathering, or is that just America? No, they, they report from all over the globe. Oh, okay. 
they report. Now, I, honestly, I don't know whether it's just the American stock market, but I think that it is all of the stock markets. Well, I think in the day and time that we're living, we're finding that you almost can't get a stock market report from just New York. They're going to do the Japanese stock market. They're going to do the European. They're, they're going to do the stock markets from all over the world because these are all dovetailed into one another. Mm-hmm. If it bodes well in New York, it generally bodes well in Tokyo. But if it bodes bad in Tokyo, it'll bode badly in New York. So these, this is a chain link effect with right. stock marketing. And, you know, they don't tell you, they don't come on and give you some kind of alert that the stock market dropped 2% today. But if it drops 10%, they're going to let you yeah, know. For it's going sure. to have a domino effect. Let's look at some internet and social medias. Now, these can be online publications. They can be blogs. They can be discussion groups. They can be user-created content such as YouTube or podcasts or social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. TikTok is very popular today. But there's a lot of the internet and the social media that we can go to to find information. And one of the things in on the internet is open source material, in particular public government data. I think a lot of people would be surprised to learn that there are documents and there are written and recorded sessions and events, things that take place in the halls of Congress, all of these things are public record mm-hmm. that any citizen has a right to view them. Yeah, and, and you get all kinds of government reports. You get transcripts of what was said in government hearings. You can look up press conferences. You can look up speeches. You know, if you're looking at voting for somebody, are they saying one thing to the media and they're saying something else in their stump speeches? Right. Yeah, the message may not be the same. The message may not be the same. But you can also get trade with other countries. I mentioned seeing what was going on with Peru and the coffee. You can get data on trade with other countries. You can get all kinds of historical data drought information. You can get the numbers on crop productions for various countries or various states. You can get all kinds of weather information and climatology. How much rain or snow has a particular area had? If it's not enough, we're going to have a drought. If it's too much, we may have mildewed crops. Or flooding damage. Flooding destruction. Damage. So there's all kinds of things that we can look at, and you actually can find data on what's expected on natural disasters. Now, they're not always right, but they put out a hurricane report of how many hurricanes they expect this year, how many named storms. Sometimes they're pretty close. Sometimes it's just a wild guess. But let's move to social media. Yeah, social media can give you an insight into public sentiment. And that partially depends on your friends list and how you have put your social media settings. You can receive as much or as little content as you desire. You That's just a settings thing. And a lot of times on our social media, we generally tend to gravitate toward groups and people who are like-minded with us. And that's where you see a lot of fighting on social media is because people that meet one another 
in the social media atmosphere, sometimes they start sparring because mm-hmm. they disagree and they don't know how to do that respectfully, frankly. Well, it, they don't know how to do it on Facebook, and I tell you, they don't know how to do it on the streets either. Well, not so much, but I find that the keyboard warrior is a whole lot more brave and falsely courageous mm-hmm. then there's a lot of times you would never go face to face and say the things to someone's face that yeah they can they can type things from mama's basement that they wouldn't dare say face to face to somebody but back to what you're talking about here most of the people on our friends list are people like us well yeah usually. they have similar yeah. values similar core beliefs and a a lot of times, similar political positions. But we included this topic in our podcast today because information gathering can sometimes be loaded with a lot of opinion and public insight. And it it serves you to be able to sit back and observe these things that are being discussed, how they're being handled from a listening and information gathering standpoint so that you can get a sort of what we call take the temperature, take the emotional temperature of your community or your city or maybe what's going on in your local government. And if I were a local politician, you don't think I would have been paying attention to what parents thought about the school boards? I think that's going to be... That gives you a good idea of public sentiment. Now, we need to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about a very good use for these social media sites. So we'll be right back. Have you ever noticed that when you're around a bunch of guys, all the knives look pretty much the same? They may be larger or smaller, and they may have a different blade or handle design, but they're all pretty much generic-looking, sporting good store knives. But a custom-built fixed-blade knife really stands out, or at least it should. It should be high quality, durable, and exceptionally beautiful. It should be razor sharp and hold an edge. That describes a Jim Curtis knife. Jim Curtis builds custom knives in central Alabama and ships them to you. He will send you photographs throughout the process, and the two of you will communicate until your knife is exactly what you want. You'll receive a knife that is as beautiful as it is functional. Jim Curtis Knives builds quality that is affordable. Each knife comes with Jim's lifetime guarantee, which includes lifetime sharpening as well as detailed care instructions to protect and preserve your unique knife. You can have your knife built to your design specifications. Choose your steel. Choose your blade design. Choose your handle material. Choose your sheath, leather, or kydex. You can also select one Jim has already designed and crafted. Each one is a work of art, yet highly functional and destined to be passed down to a family member. He posts many of these on his Facebook page. The colors, designs, and blade styles are breathtaking. You can ask questions about the knife you are considering, and he is good to respond to every question. But they go pretty fast, so don't wait too long. Whatever style you choose, it's going to be beautiful. Remember, all Jim Curtis knives come with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two band-aids. Yes, it's just that sharp. Mark has a Jim Curtis knife that I gave him last Christmas. He loves it and carries it proudly. And yes, he's used both band-aids. Check out Jim Curtis knives on Facebook or drop him an email. Both links are in the show notes and on Practical Prepping website. 
hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster or another type of emergency. This book was written by Mark and Krista Lolly. I'm Krista and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown off. You find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Krista Lolly, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. Social media can serve as confirmation or verification of news reports. And I'll give you a very good example of that. Give me a good example. While the media was saying that there were peaceful protests all over America at certain time periods, social media videos were showing buildings being burned, people being beaten, a lot of looting, stealing, public destruction, a lot of looting and vandalism vandalism and really some people's businesses were absolutely destroyed burned and broken and so when the media wants to tell you that this is a peaceful protest and the images that are being shown to you would give you the idea that it's just nothing but thugs and criminals running amok, you've got to make up your mind about what you're seeing. Interestingly, the report that you're talking about, he was standing there reporting that it's mostly peaceful protests, but if you looked over his shoulder, the building behind him was on fire. And people were running in and out carrying merchandise. When the media is telling you one thing, and you look at social media, and you find that people are live streaming things from these rights, it's a good confirmation or verification of what information you're getting from the media. Well, that also shows how important it is to go beyond the words that you hear, because a lot of folks are satisfied to simply hear the words that they like to hear, and they don't want to dig any deeper into the actual truth of the matter. Mm -hmm. And once you get a good, hard look at the truth of the matter, then and only then can you truly form an opinion. Now, here's some other things that you can do. You can use commercial data. You can get commercial imagery. You can get paid commercial imagery. You can get free commercial imagery. And that come, what we're talking about here is satellite. We're looking at putting a new roof on the house. And one roofer was talking. He said, you know, he'd come look and such. He said, I don't have to measure. 
He said, we take all the measurements off of satellite imagery. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. It can be concerning because what else can be taken off of satellite imagery? Hmm. But we can look at particular areas of interest and we can get data from that commercial imagery. We can also look at financial assessments. We can look at commercial weather. And I do this one every single day. We have both free and paid weather sources that we use. I'm a weather nerd. I admit that. And it's been very, very important that you have been because you can interpret what you're seeing from these national sources that the average person wouldn't know how to interpret that. Yeah, and, and you know, my weather radio is to tell me to get up and go to the computer. That's what my radio, the, it's to wake me up and tell me to get on the computer and I can see instantly what we're doing. So when I do get up, I hit the television, I bring up the computer, and I go to the sites that I use. And uh, one of those sites is a live radar that I am able to look at what's actually going on. Now, that you need to be able to interpret some of the data that's there. It's not that hard to learn. One of the programs that I use is GR Level 3. And if that's something of interest to you, and they have, I think, a two-week free trial, full-blown version. And if you go and search on DuckDuckGo, search GR Level X, and that it's Gibson Ridge, and it will bring you up to that. And the GR Level 3 is tremendously good radar coverage as well. A National Weather Service employee retired who was a good friend of mine he's with the lord now Uh, he's the one that turned me on to that a number of years ago and he began to help me to understand what i was looking and to understand to interpret that but i digress okay we've talked about commercial weather we've talked about satellite photos we've talked about warning apps but now human intelligence is a very important thing to have And ground truth tells us what's really going on. Now, let me go back to the weather service here. This is where storm spotters come in. This is where different types of information is being fed back to the National Weather Service. And we are one of those that can report directly to the weather service and give eyes on information. In some situations, we need to do personal reconnaissance, and I'm not talking about weather here. Some things we need to get our eyes on a particular situation to to get good intelligence. And in other situations, we can gather information directly from friends or family or back to this radio of listening, listening to ham radio operators. But we need to be able to or try to separate fact and opinion or even rumor from those things. And we do this by correlating that data. Another thing that we can do is just good old-fashioned surveillance. One of those ways is the old-fashioned stakeout. The stakeout surveillance was where detectives would position themselves in a building at a window. Uh, A lot of times on the TV and in the movies, you'd see them in a 
parked car, a four-door unmarked sedan with the black tires, back when white wall tires were very popular. Oh, yeah. You can always tell the the, who, who the, the, the stakeout car. Yeah, yeah the G-men, the feds, the police. Yeah, the two guys sitting in it doing nothing. Wearing the suit and the tie with mm-hmm. little binoculars at their eyes. But you know what? Those kinds of surveillance stakeouts, they often did give them the intelligence they were looking for. That's part of our recon. We need to get eyes on something. And don't do it like the old detective shows and stick out from their stakeouts, Mm -hmm. but stay well hidden. Gain things from a distance. Blend in. You can wear camo. You can build hides. And here, if we're talking about a grid-down SHTF situation, and you've got groups, then then build those hides, have a place that you can maintain a point of surveillance. And another thing that could be handy and internationally, and that's espionage, getting a spy inside the operation or being able to question someone inside the organization. Now, let me bring that one down. Let's take that out of the spy realm, and let's talk about this questioning someone inside. Now, let's just take a little trip to the farmer's market, and nothing is available this day. Well, when does the truck come in? Well, I'll take it even better than that. When we were all looking for ammo, Mm -hmm. when there, there was no ammo, or when the ammo would come in and it would be gone in an hour, I just flat asked the clerk, I said, when do you get the truck? What day do you get the truck? And he told me, what time does it usually get here? And he told me. Uh So I had good information. And one of those days, you just, you left home and went there and got there right after the truck and bought what we wanted. Yeah. Even though there were limits to it, but... That came by simply asking someone inside, and sometimes it's asking subtle questions in normal situations. And by asking those normal questions like, when does your truck come in? What time does it get here? And sometimes you can learn things from that. Now, here's a new one that it's not that new, but we're seeing more and more of it, and that is drone surveillance. Oh, yes. I'll tell you that I was actually in a customer's home doing my job. I have to go into people's homes and work with them one-on-one with the products that I sell. And while we were sitting there at her kitchen table, we both heard a noise and we looked out of her sunny kitchen window and there was a drone flying in her backyard. She had no idea who owned this drone. She lived alone. It concerned her. She was wondering you know, she lived in a neighborhood, and I said, it's it's quite likely. The likelihood is it appears to me to be one of the drones you would buy at a big box discount store. It's not a very sophisticated drone. It may not even have a video on it. It's probably just one of those flying drones that some kid in your neighborhood is flying. And she said, okay, uh, that's likely. But what if it isn't? What if it is a video surveillance drone and someone's peeking into your window? Mm -hmm. You know, it can be a little disturbing. So, you know, be aware, be, you know, find out if somebody in the neighborhood has a drone and and if so, take some steps to provide some concealment for your home. Or even consider getting your own drone to be able to know what's going on around. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Now I know that there are some limitations regarding drones. There are some limitations in the in the aircraft flying world, and every mm-hmm. place is different. But there are some laws and limitations to drones, and so certainly if you're interested in what we call a serious drone, or even the ones that are of of some money that you would buy more like at a sporting type place, or even order, you do have to abide by the laws that are in place in your region regarding aircraft. Yeah, there you're only allowed so many feet above ground near an airport within a certain distance of the airport, but you know we're far enough from the airport we can fly it as high as we can get the drone to fly but we're limited to i think 400 feet i believe that's probably now, the you right, can yeah. do that if you get the drone pilot's license you can fly higher and our son-in-law will be the one to talk about this but a drone might be something that you would want to consider for your neighborhood in certain particular situations. You know, yeah, everybody's got a different reason for needing one. Especially if you're looking at, at some type of an SHTF mag group, mutual assistance group. And that would be really good for intelligence gathering. Mm-hmm. And we go back to staying informed. If we're talking about a mag group, it doesn't change the things that we need to know. All it does is gives us more people to be able to work with. But if we're in one of those types of situations, then we're going to need somebody that's in charge of reconnaissance. We're going to need somebody that's in charge of communications. And then we're going to need somebody who is good at looking at that information and extrapolating and being able to formulate what might could come about from what we're seeing there. One of the things, one of the problems that we would have in an SHTF situation is being able to know the strength and numbers of other groups. What kind of supplies do they have? What kind of resources do they have? Now, that may come when we look at their human resources. We may be looking at how many of them, what are they doing, what are their patterns, And from that, we may be able to draw out some plans of those other groups, but we can only do that through surveillance, through interrogation, and through proper intelligence gathering. Able to see that information and intel gathering is of vital importance, not only to a prepper, but pretty much in everyday life mm-hmm. as well. It, it'll it change the way you think, and it may change the way you behave, and we certainly hope for the better, for your benefit. And tonight's episode is really less about the gathering information, the intelligence after an SHTF situation. <laughs> the reason we brought you this at this particular time is to be able to look at the situations that will affect us on a daily basis in the coming weeks and months. Now, we're not peddling fear. We're not trying to scare you. But it's a lot more peace to be able to look a little bit further down the road and say, we know that these problems are going to come, so let's prepare for these problems a little bit more. Just like we were talking about the gasoline. We're adding a little bit to our gasoline preps because we see that there could be supply chain issues There could be shortages, 
or it could go to $20 a gallon and we still want to be able to get where we need to get to. That's why we bring it to you at this time. It's not so much during an SHTF situation or a long-term grid down. That's a whole different ballgame. And we'll bring that, we'll bring somebody that knows a lot more about that on at some point in time. All right, what's our quote of the week? The quote of the week comes from, believe it or not, George Carlin. He once said, rights aren't rights. If someone can take them away, they're privileges. That's very interesting in light of what's being talked about, First Amendment, Second Amendment. All the amendments. Well, some (laughs) folks want to put stringent limits on First Amendment. In other words, you can say what I agree with, but you can't say what I disagree with. Right. And there are many who very likely are going to try to come against our firearms in the not-too-distant future. Very good quote. Rights aren't rights if someone can take them away. They're privileges. Anything else you want to add? You know, stuff happens, so we want you to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.